Hello and welcome to TGen Talks. I'm Mark Moran. Diagnosing disease early on is often critical to saving a patient's life and preventing disease in the first place. We're joined on this edition of TGen Talks by Dr. Dave Engelthaler, who's co-director and associate professor of the Pathogen Genomics Division at TGen North in Flagstaff. He's also the former state epidemiologist. TGen North has a specific mission of advancing clinical medicine, public health, and biodefense. Enter Dr. Engelthaler's latest research project, Valley Fever. His work focuses in large part on adapting the use of next-generation sequencing tools for infectious disease research and healthcare, such as treatments and potential diagnosis for Valley Fever. Dr. Engelthaler, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you. It's good to be here, Mark. Tell us a little bit about TGen North. So TGen North is essentially the infectious disease arm of TGen. Uh, we're up in Flagstaff. We've been there just a little over 12 years. And as you mentioned, our focus has really been on how infectious diseases may affect human health in the areas of clinical medicine and public health and public safety, which also includes biodefense. What is valley fever? Valley fever is an infectious disease that's essentially caused by a microscopic fungus. The fungus is called coccidioides and it lives in the hot desert soils of the southwest. And it does appear in some other places in the western hemisphere, but by and large, it's mostly here in, in Arizona and California in, in, in the more warm areas. Uh, the fungus itself um, survives in the soil, but can get disturbed and get up into the air when, say, there's construction or digging in the soil. And the, the fungal spores can float in the air, and you breathe that in, and that can cause a pneumonia-type disease, what we call valley fever. And that disease can be, go on to become something even more severe. It can leave the lungs and cause, you know, disease in, in the brain or in other body organs or body systems. Why is it so prevalent in Arizona? Our best understanding right now is that this fungus um, has really preferred to live in the, the very hot, what we call thermic soils, where in the early part of the summer it gets so hot it kills off most of the other microorganisms and, the, and then the valley fever fungus is kind of left standing alone to feed on nutrients. So it, it probably survives uh, better, outcompetes com you know, other competitors in the soil, and then thrives once the monsoon rains come, starts to grow, and then can get up into the air once the soil is disturbed. What is its prevalence here? The Valley of the Sun is the hotbed for, for valley fever. Uh, probably 60% of all cases in the world occur in the Maricopa County region. Uh, we think that uh, probably, you know, another 20% or so occur down in southern Arizona, Tucson, and, and other places. So really, Arizona's, this is Arizona's disease, which is one of the reasons why we spend so much time at it here at TGen. I've heard we can have valley fever and A, never know it, and B, it never develop into anything lethal. Is that true? Yeah, like a lot of infectious diseases, not everybody gets a very serious infection. So you could breathe it in and your body could fight it off right away, and you never really develop symptoms. In fact, it's thought that well over half of people who get valley fever fungus, breathe it in, will never develop symptoms. Uh, and it's probably somewhere between 20% of that do will develop a serious pneumonia, and then maybe 1% uh, of those, somewhere between 1% and 10%, depending on your demographic, how strong your immune system is, that could actually leave the lung and cause a very serious disease, lifelong disease, and maybe even death. So is it all about the immune system that separates the lucky from the unlucky? 
we don't really know um, actually who is going to be the lucky and the unlucky. We do know that certain demographics, so people of Asian descent, uh, especially Filipinos, have a much higher risk of developing the very serious disease uh, in, in other dark-skinned individuals. But we really don't know what drives whether or not people will never get disease and then, or maybe just develop the pneumonia. We're not sure what's driving that, but we do think that has something to do with the immune system. You're studying... Um the air in Phoenix doing actual air monitoring surveys with regard to valley fever. Tell us about that. Yeah, so one of the things we do at TGen North is we really try to put everything in context, and we have to look at these pathogens from a what we call a One Health point of view. So think about how they not only move around in people and in people getting sick and how to tr- best treat them, but how, how do animals get sick? How is the environment potentially contaminated? So we really have to think about it from, again, this One Health kind of holistic view. And, and because the valley fever fungus lives and thrives in the soil and then can get up in the air, we can study it in the soil, but until now, we really haven't had a chance to look at it in the air. And we've just recently developed the, the capabilities working with the CDC to do this. And how are you going about that? Are there air monitoring stations in Phoenix? Yeah, so there's a lot of environmental monitoring that goes on um, in, in many places, especially where people live. And, and in the, the city of Phoenix region, there are um, air monitoring stations that we work with the Arizona Department of Health Services, uh, the Centers for Disease Control, and Homeland Security, uh, where you can monitor for a number of environmental contaminants and, and potential uh, threat organisms. And what we're able to do is take these regular air filters that are collected daily in multiple places across the valley and then test them for the presence of whether the, the valley fever fungus is there, the coccidioides uh, fungus. By doing that, we will start to map what might be the most prevalent areas. We can tie that to how the wind was blowing, what was the climate like um, during that particular part of the year, and then also map it to the epidemiology side. How far away did cases occur in a region where we started to see the, the, the spores in the air? So there's a, a lot we can gain that we never had the ability to before in understanding the epidemiology of this disease. How far along are you on air monitoring in terms of being able to present data? Yeah, it's, well, it's very early days. Uh, we just uh, have submitted a paper for publication with the Centers for Disease Control that describes the process and the fact that we, uh, with a preliminary study, were able to identify fungus in multiple parts of the city during um, some specific days of which we thought were high risk anyways, which is really n- towards the monsoon times and in, in, in that kind of August-September area. We're now looking at the, the filters daily across multiple years. So we're looking at thousands of filters uh, and then being able to tie that, as I said, to, to weather data, tie that to you know, wind data and rain, but also tie that to human cases as well as dog cases uh, and, and really get that full picture. So we're, that's going to probably take a couple of years to get that really good study together. Is valley fever transmissible between people? It isn't, uh, generally. So one person who's sick is not going to infect another person. We do see that it can be transmitted, um, strangely enough, by, say, organ transplants. If someone is infected and is an organ donor, there's been multiple outbreaks where those organs have been transplanted into the recipients, and the recipients developed a very severe case of valley fever. So it's far more than just a lung disease. Yeah, it's primarily a lung disease, but there are other ways to get the disease, and it can um, certainly affect other organs and body systems. 
how will our community benefit from uh, the air monitoring study? So I, I really um, can't express how excited I am about us being able to do this. This is something that we've talked about in the public health community for decades, literally decades. How can we um, develop predictive models for what might be high-risk areas uh, and high-risk times for exposure to the valley fever fungus? And in general, it's don't go outside during dust storms. It makes sense. You're not breathing in dust and, and what microbes might be in that. But we don't really know. Are the dust storms the biggest risk or is the biggest risk construction during a specific time of year in a specific place? Uh, those are questions we can now answer and hadn't been able to until now. You mentioned there are some ethnic populations that are more vulnerable to this disease. Um, does it have any respect to age, young children, elderly? Yeah, the, the vast majority of new cases we see are going to be in the elderly. And we do know that, that it, we do suspect that it's likely due to the waning immune system as you get older. So then once the fungus gets into the lungs, your immediate white cells, your macrophages, aren't potentially going to attack it as fast and then clear the infection. So the older you are, the more likely you are, you're high, you have a much higher risk for developing disease. Do we know how soon you'll be able to make recommendations based on this research? We can't predict when we're going to be able to get enough information that public health is going to be able to act on it. But every day we're finding new information and we're working closely, like I said, with the state health department and with the Centers for Disease Control. We're sharing information. CDC's doing some of their own testing. And so on a pretty regular basis, um, now that we've got this testing going, uh, we're, we're going to share information, see if there's something that clearly public health needs to act on. And maybe we don't see anything during this, you know, the, the first year or so of this uh, w until we pull all together all this other analysis. Like I said, we've, we've brought in a climatologist and, and some environmental statisticians and epidemiologists and veterinarians to help us bring those different data sets together so that we really can develop hopefully a predictive model uh, for when high-risk um, times occur and where high-risk areas are. Critical and important research going on at TGen North, Dr. Dave Engelthaler co-director and associate professor of the Pathogen Genomics Division at TGen North and Flagstaff. Thanks for being here today. Thanks, Mark. For more information on Dr. Dave Engelthaler's research on valley fever and to learn more about valley fever itself, visit tgen.org. TGen is an affiliate of City of Hope. Thanks for listening to TGen Talks. I'm Mark Moran. <laughs>